Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. I'm Ryan Lizza, and I am the chief Washington correspondent for Politico. Over the last three weeks, um, I started out about three weeks ago going to Trump rallies to write a magazine piece. Hello, Johnstown. Thank you very much. This is going to be a great evening. One rally in Pennsylvania. It's incredible to be back in Pennsylvania, the proud home of American independence, the American Constitution. Then uh, flew out to Reno, Nevada, uh, and attended another Trump rally in Carson City. Hello, Carson City. Hello. And then from there, uh, decided to drive back to Washington, D.C. rather than fly. Um, and just do a, a tour of the Sun Belt swing states. From Nevada, went down to Arizona, through New Mexico, which is no longer a, a swing state, but was in recent history. And then into Texas, a state we didn't think would be a swing state in 2020, but it sure is now. Uh, drove across Texas, which uh, for anyone who hasn't done that, uh, it takes a lot longer than you might think. <laughs> and then ended up where I am right now in Georgia. And now um, on my way to North Carolina, uh, probably for another uh, Trump event there. And then we'll be back in Washington, D.C. for Election Day. All of the drivers of this election that we've seen in the polls, uh, you, you know, you see it on the ground here in these states. You drive through rural areas and dominated by Donald Trump. I don't like people that don't love our country. I don't. The metro areas, the inner cities and the suburbs are what they often call the collar counties in Texas around the big metro areas like Dallas and Houston that are filled with college educated voters especially women, very, very turned off by, by Trump. A lot of people who voted for him in 2016 regretting it. So can I ask you to do me a favor? Suburban women, will you please like me? I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today, on the road with Ryan Lizza, just one day before the big one. Traveling from Sunbelt swing state to Sunbelt swing state, you know, in the most polarizing campaign of recent memory, probably just straight up the weirdest time in recent memory. What do you feel like you've learned, not just about the election and the campaign, but the state of America right now? <laughs> you know, it, it, like everything else, it's all about the pandemic. You learn the the sort of really wildly different reactions to this pandemic. And you see a lot of activism on the right against the restrictions concerning the pandemic. When I was in Santa Fe taking a day off over the weekend, just sort of stumbled upon an anti-mask, anti-lockdown rally. I want the freedom to not wear a mask when I'm outside. That's Liz Luce. She's the one leading what she calls a mask-free day around North Domingo Baca Park. We're Local activists, pro-Trump activists, were uh, talking about recalling the Democratic governor. 
Those with her strongly believe the mask mandate in place across New Mexico has been in place too long, and they're looking to change that. And that really gave me, I thought, a window into what the activism on the right is really going to be, and perhaps even in a, in a sort of accelerated uh, way, if Biden wins. Throughout the campaign, we've heard the president say he'll have to wait and see whether he would accept the results of the election. And with the nation so divided, some experts are concerned about a worst-case scenario, violent protests in the streets come election night and beyond. Um, when Democrats get into the White House, there, there's a pretty severe backlash on the right. My fellow citizens, today we celebrate the mystery of American renewal. We saw it with Bill Clinton in 1993. We saw it with Barack Obama in 2009. And you do see that bubbling up on the right. And that is something I, I think is, uh, is, is really worth watching. Um, I was driving again in New Mexico down towards uh, White Sands National Monument, right in the area uh, where, the, where the first nuclear test was in, in, near Trinity. And stopped by this kind of roadside uh, stand where this couple was selling rocks out of their, out of their home. And uh, they actually asked me to take my mask off, you know. And so the, the pandemic is just dominating the conversation everywhere you go. And you find this really wild, polarized divide over the reaction to the pandemic to the point where there are some people on the right who believe it's a hoax, as, as a couple of people at that rally in, in Santa Fe said to me, to people on the left like Beto O'Rourke, who I was talking to, and he asked me why I was even staying in hotels. Isn't that too dangerous? Because while he was traveling around Texas, he was staying in Airbnbs. <laughs> and uh, I'd, been in, I'd been hanging out with so many Trump people by that point, I actually thought Beto was being a little too cautious. <laughs> I'd sort of been, uh, you know, in this bubble of, uh, oh, the pandemic's not a, not a big deal. And I was thinking, Oh, you know, Beto, it's no big deal. It's just a hotel. Anyway, that is what has driven everything, all the conversations and ex political experiences I've had for, for the last couple of weeks. And then finally, the rebellion that we're seeing, uh, that we appear to be seeing in Texas, is all about Trump's response to this pandemic. And a new Quinnipiac poll out shows more Texans disapprove of the president's handling of the pandemic. A new poll put out by the Texas Democratic Party is showing more voters leaning Democrat this year compared to years past, also showing that Texas is indeed holding true to be a competitive state this year. People saying, okay, he mismanaged this. Um, I think absent the pandemic, this would be a 50-50 race, maybe even with a Trump advantage. So that is the big issue. Being on the ground in some of the most important states this election, what's the sense you get about how things are going to turn out tomorrow? I mean, when we've talked in past shows, you've mentioned the problem in 2016, the polls, how even though they seemed accurate nationally, they didn't really capture you know, Trump support in swing states. What are the polls telling us this time around and how do they mesh with what you've seen and heard? Well, we're obviously all being a lot more cautious about what the data is pointing to, right? The data is pointing to either a very narrow Trump victory or a Biden landslide where it's possible that he could exceed 400 electoral votes. The big differences, of course, this time are the third party vote is almost non-existent. And the approval rating of Biden is so different than Hillary Clinton. You know, the final swing vote in 2016, 
was people who disapproved of Trump and disapproved of Hillary Clinton holding their nose and voting, they broke decisively for Donald Trump. This time, we don't have that kind of, oh, I hate both of these candidates voter. We have Joe Biden with an approval rating that is above 50%. And um, if everyone who approves of Joe Biden votes for him, you know, he'll have a healthy national popular vote victory. I I would say one thing that's striking when you drive a long distance in the United States and you go through a lot of rural areas is Trump's just absolute dominance of rural America. It's so visible, you know, because every state I've been through, rural areas are covered in Trump signs and especially Trump flags. If you are a Trump supporter and you fly an American flag in uh, Arizona, Nevada, uh, Texas, you are also probably flying a Trump Pence flag. Do you think the results for tomorrow are going to be dependent on whether rural America or city America shows up or has already shown up to the polls? Yeah, and look, this is a cliche at this point, but, you know, the cities are dominated by Democrats, rural America is dominated by Republicans, and the swing area, you know, is the suburbs. And, you know, the polling is pointing to a pretty decisive Biden victory. I think the one thing to say is if Texas goes for Biden and Florida goes for Biden and and really and Arizona and, you know, the upper Midwest states and the Sunbelt states basically um, all kind of tip in the same direction because the demographic factors are similar in all these places, which could easily happen. We've had races where, you know, sometimes you look at the swing states and you think, oh, well, they're all so close. Maybe one candidate's going to win half of them and the other candidate's going to win half of them. Sometimes that does not happen. More, more, more often the cases, the same trends. If there's a wave election, the trends are the same in all those places and the states tip to one candidate or the other. If that happens, I think one thing to be careful of is not to overinterpret the results. Um, all of these states are close and will be competitive in another election. Um, 45% of the country at least is probably going to vote for, for Donald Trump, uh, even if he loses. And I don't think we should exaggerate the, the meaning of a big wave election. This is still a divided country politically and will be competitive at the presidential level for the foreseeable future. Ryan Lizza, thanks so much for talking with me. Hey, thank you. Also today, the former head of the FDA is warning that this month's Thanksgiving holiday could be the, quote, inflection point of a dangerous surge in coronavirus. In an interview with CBS over the weekend, former FDA Commissioner Scott Gottlieb criticized President Trump, whose administration he served in, for repeatedly claiming the U.S. has rounded a corner, saying, quote, things are getting worse around the country and December is probably going to be our toughest month. Outbreaks are currently on the rise in every state, and some states are reporting record hospitalizations. On Friday, the U.S. reported more than 99,000 new cases, which marks a new peak. And President Trump and some of his top aides are looking at a huge overhaul of his cabinet if he wins a second term. Politico is reporting that the post-election move would include scuttling officials in key health-related and intelligence jobs who Trump views as disloyal, slow-acting, or naysayers, 
and the effort would amount to a purge of any cabinet member who's crossed the president, refused to mount investigations he's demanded, or urged him to take swifter action on the coronavirus pandemic. According to two Republicans close to the White House, administration officials have started to vet names of healthcare experts who could take over the agencies running parts of the government's pandemic response and overseeing the country's health insurance system. And the president, fed up with what he perceives as unwillingness to investigate certain people or take on the, quote, deep state, is eyeing a remake of leadership at the FBI, the CIA, and the Pentagon. Subscribe to Politico Dispatch wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing and want to help us out, you can do that by leaving a rating and review in your favorite app and by telling a friend to check out the show. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.